cornerstone of the spiritual life, a podcast brought to you by Soka and the Fatima Center. What must be the source and summit of your spiritual life? How can you more effectively receive the graces available at Mass? And if you want to learn more about the Mass, what steps can you take? All this and more is discussed by Kevin Rorty in this seventh episode of Our Lady Shock Troops, a series dedicated to growth in the interior life. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director for the Fatima Center. And today I am once again joined by the CEO and founder of Soka, Souls of the Christian Apostolate. That's Kevin Rorty. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, David. Thanks for having me again. It's good to have you here as we continue our series on Our Lady's Shock Troops. So today the focus will primarily be on the most holy sacrifice of the Mass. We can start ourselves off with prayer, perhaps the prayer that St. Thomas Aquinas recommends for Mass. You'll lead us, Kevin. Yeah, we can consider this somewhat of a spiritual communion because we may not be at Mass necessarily in the next hour, but uh, it's always good to recollect ourselves in that spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Almighty and ever-living God, I approach the sacrament of thine only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I come sick to the doctor of life unclean to the fountain of mercy, blind to the radiance of eternal light, and poor and needy to the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, in thy great generosity, heal my sickness, wash away my defilement, enlighten my blindness, enrich my poverty, and clothe my nakedness. May I receive the bread of angels, the King of kings and Lord of lords, with humble reverence, with the purity and faith, the repentance and love, and the determined purpose that will help to bring me to salvation. May I receive the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood and its reality and power. Kind God, may I receive the body of thine only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, born of the womb of the Virgin Mary, and so be received into his mystical body and numbered among his members. Loving Father, as on my earthly pilgrimage, I now receive thy beloved Son under the veil of a sacrament. May I one day see him face to face in glory, who lives and reigns with thee forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So yes, we offer up a spiritual communion with that, since we're not actually at Mass. But that is a wonderful prayer that, you know, a lot of times is in your missal, or you can find it, or print it out, put on a prayer card, take it with you, offer that before you go to Mass, or while you're at Mass, before you receive Holy Communion. Yeah, it's the prayer before reception of Holy Communion or prayer before Mass by St. Thomas Aquinas. The little red books at traditional Latin Mass parishes, that has it in those booklets. Right. And so we're going to talk about the Mass today, but just to, again, remind our viewers of the past episodes, we are talking about developing a plan of life so that you can grow in virtue. The goal, of course, of growth and virtue is to grow in holiness and sanctity to achieve our purpose of union with God, uh, eternal blessedness with him. We have certainly talked about the importance of spiritual resolutions and you know, having those ideals, what you're going to do on a day-to-day basis so you can attain those ideals. That's pretty much where we're at. And so it makes sense, I think, Kevin, that we talk about the Mass 
because hopefully as you at home, dear listener, are developing your plan of life, you realize that the mass is going to have to be a centerpiece for that, a cornerstone, if you will, to use that biblical image that our Lord uses as well. It's going to have to be that firm foundation. We've got to build on the mass. How else will we have the grace to grow in virtue? How else will we have the grace to maintain our spiritual resolutions, if not via the mass? Kevin, I know you help people in, in this plan of life. I mean, explain maybe a little bit more just on that role of the mass or how you would introduce this to our listeners. Yeah, well, I think over the period of COVID and all, so many people said, hey, I, I missed the mass or couldn't go to mass. There's a lot of people who said, you know, oh, I wish I didn't take the mass or granted when I had it, you know, and a lot of people said to heck with it. I don't need mass anymore. But for those who, who said, hey, I actually believe in this and I'm, I feel a thirst in my soul for the liturgy there comes a point where you, you get it back and you start taking it for granted. And you're like, why is it that even after all that time, I'm still just sort of getting, you know, either bored or distracted or whatever, when I'm at mass, I hear about, and I read about, and I listen to people like Kevin and David talk about how the mass is, it's the sacrifice of Calvary. It's mystical communion with God, giving ourselves, offering ourselves. And yet, do I really walk away with a sense that that is what took place? Um, and I think a lot of times people are like, no. So what I think is important in our plan of life is to consider if our whole goal, our, our end in mind is to worship God, to know, love and serve God in this life and be happy with him forever in the next, to praise him forever in eternity. We have to see that in the context that it isn't just myself alone. If we're talking about our interior life, my communion with God, my union with his will that is in the context of the church. So my interior life really comes from the quote unquote interior life of the church. That's where sanctifying grace, the sacraments, you know, the sacraments give us sanctifying grace. And so we get to belong to that mystical body. So what is that, that central activity of this mystical body as a whole? That's where you find the mass. So we should see in our, our life, the source of that divine radiance in our soul of that divine life in our soul we should see the mass as really being where we receive that where we're energized and we grow in vitality of it in our interior life becomes almost as as alive as anywhere during the mass um, that's where we find what it means to partake in our lord's inner life of his life death and resurrection um, of his redemptive activity primarily in the sacrifice so I, I see the mass as it's at the center of our whole plan of life our whole interior life the, the source and summit especially with the eucharist yeah and what i would suggest to others or what i sort of recommend is i have to dip back into my own experience here hopefully that will help someone who's listening there's so much to say about the mass. So I'm going to try to be as succinct as I can here. But we'll simply say that there were definitely two major moments of life-changing periods in my life. And in both cases, the mass played a very central role. So in one, I was actually in grad school and um, going towards my degrees in electrical engineering. It's a long story, but things were not going well on that end. And I remember sitting down at one point in time when it seemed like a lot of my professional life and my plans were falling apart and I had to redefine success for myself. And I mean, I very consciously sat down and I thought to myself, you know, God is the most important thing in my life. If the mass is the most important thing in my life, then if I assisted mass this day on any given day, and it was kind of like a resolution I was making really 
then it's a successful day. You know, I'm going to tell myself it's a successful day. And so I just began to really redefine my life and I redefined success. Success was no longer, let's just say, whatever, getting an A on your exam or, you know, doing really well with the, the research and the thesis program that I was involved in. It was, did I go to mass? Did I worship God? Yeah. Um, and so that's really a time in my life where I started going to daily mass. And that really changed my life. That's actually what got me on the path towards going to the seminary. I've mentioned this before. I spent some time in the seminary. So I would say my decision to even go to the seminary probably couldn't have happened unless that took place. Fast forward a number of years. That was back in 1997 when that's taking place. So fast forward to about maybe, I guess it's 2002, just about five years later. By now, I'm not in the seminary anymore. Uh, I was working at a Catholic parish, but I'll tell you, like the mass had just lost its hold on me. I was, I was struggling just to make it to Sunday mass. So that was really difficult because I knew something was really wrong there. I mean, I knew this isn't right. You know, what's going on? I, I hearken back to that previous experience that I've just shared with you where I was redefining success for myself as a day when I went to mass. And now I wasn't going during the week yeah, anymore. And I was struggling to go on Sunday. And unfortunately, I was at one of these parishes where uh, on account of my job, I was going to the Life Teen Mass, uh, if anyone knows what that is. And uh, I didn't really like it. And that might give you an idea of why the, the now I understand why the mass is. So anyway, I, I discovered the Latin mass. <laughs> the, the whole point of this is I discovered the Latin mass, wound up getting up real early. I would drive about 30 minutes to get to the mass. And then I had to fight the traffic and drive 45 minutes to get to work. And the mass was at 630. And I remember always leaving the house and it was still dark. You know, it's 545 and I'm leaving the house. And yet it really changed. Actually, no, it was 2007. I think I misspoke on the date. But anyway, the point is I started going to daily mass again, but this time it was a traditional mass. And again, I found myself completely in love with the mass. You know, everything that I had sort of lost and what I, now I wanted to go to mass. I was excited again. And fortunately, I haven't lost that zeal since. Uh, I haven't gone through that crisis again. But in both cases, I really realized that it was focusing on the mass and it's not even enough just to talk about it, which you and I can do a little bit, Kevin, but ultimately it's you yourself have to make the decision yep. and live it, which I think that's connected with spiritual resolution. So I really encourage everyone listening to try to make that commitment in whatever way they best can. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I mean, on a, on a, I'll, I'll go from uh, speculative stuff to practical stuff as far as how I think this could tie in. When I first started going, one thing that I to the old mass in particular, I was starting to go to daily mass and then I discovered the old mass uh, and it captivated me. And one thing that really changed was, I think I was inspired with the gift of the fear of the Lord. You know, we have the seven gifts given to us in baptism. Um, if you're in the state of grace, you have these gifts in your soul. These are not the charismatic gifts. These are gifts that are given for your salvation. And the fear of the Lord inspires us with a sentiment that I do not want to offend God. And one of the fruits of this is reverence for holy things, reverence for the presence of God. And when I came to this ancient liturgy, I saw a, a certain re realism that if I believe almighty God is here, what a difference that would have in my comportment and my behavior. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so there's seven gifts. The fear of the Lord is sort of the base one. The height of it all is wisdom. So you go through all, all that. I also realized that this mass was an external manifestation of the interior world that I had discovered through meditation or mental prayer, that interior life with God. I said, okay, all of this, the fear of the Lord, but also that intimacy, the contemplation, the one thing necessary, the source and summit of, of, at, at the elevation, as well as when I received the Eucharist, 
it just seemed like this is showing this as the one thing necessary, the true treasure hidden in a field that I would die for. We want to value the mass in that way. So going from that more speculative, like this is important, the why to, you know, practicals, I think, like you said, we have to take into account our state of life and what we have time available for. And do we have the mass near us and all and all the other devotional practices, spiritual practices we want to do? You know, I, I think, well, obviously everyone needs to go to mass once a week on Sunday, but if you can start adding maybe once or twice a week, you can add that element of the liturgy going to mass. That's a really fruitful practice for your spiritual life. And obviously it gives glory to God. So I'd say, start, don't, don't go, okay, I'm going to go to mass every single day. I've heard people do that where you go from zero to a hundred and it, you end up just crashing. So like, all right, maybe daily mass once or twice a week, and then add on top of that. That said, you know, there are some places where if you don't have an opportunity to go to a reverent liturgy, you can unite yourself with prayers. Like the one we said at the beginning of this, you can still unite yourself to the sacrifices of the mass and receive with a spiritual communion throughout your day, you know, multiple times in a day. Our priest recently gave a sermon on if everything got shut down and we had no access to mass anywhere. He's like, well, consider it almost like you're in a confinement. What's that called? Uh, uh, solitary confinement, solitary confinement, right? And there, you know, there are people who are there for five, six, 10 years, whatever, right? Imagine that was your case. Well, you could still, you know, imagine yourself going to, to mass and uniting yourself to the sacrifice of our Lord. It's really, especially the spirit of participating with that redemptive action of Christ. We can do anytime, anywhere in our spirit. So those are a few suggestions I have for cultivating all that. Yeah. And I would add, I mean, again, this is a brief show, so we're not going to do too much. We'll put some links below on some other talks, for example, that we might have some I've given on the mass. Uh, if you need to learn more about that topic, I want to delve into that. But I will say that you have to sort of believe in faith that the mass is going to be the source of all graces in your life because all grace comes from Calvary and from Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And that's what the mass is. The mass is Christ's one true and eternal sacrifice. So you've got to be connected to the mass because that's where the grace is going to be coming from. Now, I would say that, especially in today's environment, not all masses are the same. I do get a little frustrated because in talking to some people, they immediately go to the theological concept of a valid mass versus yeah. an invalid mass. And I tell them, look, it's not just about a valid mass. You want to get a mass that is giving you as much grace as possible, where you yeah. yourself are opening yourself up. The example I always use, and that's just because I'm a married man, is that if a friend of mine came up to me and he was telling me about the difficulties in his marriage, no one wants to have a marriage that is, you know, difficult, frustrating, where you're always at odds, where there's a lot of fighting. You don't want that kind of marriage. It's always but it's like valid. crisis mode. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't turn around and tell my friend, well, is your marriage valid? He'd be like, well, yeah, we got married. And I'm like, oh, well, you're cool. Then you're fine. No, of course <laughs> yeah, not. What that, are you worrying about? <laughs> no compassion, no anything. That's not his problem. He would want to know what do I need to do to get the best, best marriage possible. We all yeah. want that. So we need to have that same sort of attitude with the mass. Where am I going to get the most graces possible? So again, here, I mean, there's a lot of theological reasons for it, but I will just share a little bit of personal experience. And I won't go into details because honestly, this is confessional matter and I don't bring it outside the confessional. But I will simply say that in looking back on my life, I can tell that even when I was going to uh, the daily mass and it was the new mass, as I was saying back like in 97, I was not growing in virtue nearly the way I needed to. And I still had some serious attachment to sin. And I really didn't sort of get past that until I got to the Latin Mass. 
God really, I think, opened it up for me to realize that there were graces there that I just wasn't getting otherwise. So I don't know everybody else's experience, and I'm not saying this is a universal experience, so it might not be true for all. But if you are struggling and you're sort of feeling like there are just some things that I can't seem to overcome, I just don't seem to have the grace to get past this or that sin, you know, some of that habitual sin, because that's part of the thing. You're, you're not going to make progress in the spiritual life, as we've talked about already on these shows, as long as you're really you know, attached to sin, whether it be mortal sin or even you know, serious deliberate venial sin. And I do believe that there are, I, I should say, I, believe, I know for certain with the certitude of faith that at the Latin mass, you're going to be getting a lot more graces. So I certainly encourage people along that line. Yep. And I don't know if you've experienced anything similar, Kevin, or if there's something that I just said that maybe. No, yeah, no, I honestly, we, we have a whole lesson in Soka. Uh, there's two, uh, we have our boot camp that's like seven lessons and there's two on tradition. And one of the sub points on one of those is Lexodandi and cultus leading to culture. So our cultus as Catholics, our cult, our way of worship is at the center of our culture. And if we look at lex sodandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, the way we pray leads to the way that we believe leads to the way that we live. So how we're worshiping in the liturgy is going to impact everything else. So that's one thing, you know, it impacts everything else. So then we look at a sub lesson in those two lessons is the spirituality of the ancient liturgy. And you can look into things like, okay, there's detachment, there's self-denial, there's emphasis on the cross, there's need for humility, there's need for obedience, because I'm just following, you know, this is how God told us to worship through the guidance of the Holy Ghost through centuries and centuries. There's you list goes on and on. It informs, it implicitly informs your spirituality, your interior life in many ways. It molds you in many ways that are not fully conscious, at least to the unaware eye. And so I just, I second everything you said, you know, maybe someone's out there who has no experience with the Latin mass. I encourage you to, but if you don't have access or whatever, it doesn't mean that you, you still can't have an interior life. You know, that said, studying it a bit can really help inform almost intuitively our interior life. That's been my experience. Yeah. And I mean, now that we mentioned the interior life, I will say one thing here of note, I think it's very important and that I do see as one of the great differences between the traditional Latin mass of our forefathers and sort of the new, the new rite of mass that has been concocted as of late. And it's, I mentioned, especially because sometimes it throws people off, but it's something you have to learn to appreciate. And that is the great silence in the mass. It can be a little jarring when you first go to it, but I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we could probably all acknowledge that we could use more silence in our life. God is going to be speaking to us in some of those silent moments. And if we're constantly surrounded by noise, we can't hear him. And that's one of the things that like I would say in the 30 years that I was going to the new mass, I can say this now, I wouldn't have said this back then. So, you know, I can see maybe people not getting this just yet, but I would say I never really prayed while I was at mass. And it wasn't because I didn't want to, I, I would try. And, and I was, you know, I had that intent. I wanted to, but it's that the new mass was not allowing me to, it wasn't providing the space, the silence. And that's what I mean by space, not a physical space, but the silence of it. Yep. Um, and so in the traditional Latin mass, you are going to find a lot of silence and that helps you in your interior life. You need it. The other thing, quite frankly, is that, the Holy Ghost then has space to move in your soul. 
right? Because so often, I think in the new mass, we're forced to answer and to move and there's action and there's activity and there's movement. And so it's almost working against a recollected state. Whereas in the traditional mass, you can be recollected, you can have quiet, and then the Holy Ghost can move you with the freedom that he needs because each one of us is at a different state in the spiritual life. We're suffering different problems. We're struggling with different things. As we've said, we've each got our own vices, our own predominant faults. We're trying to grow in different virtues. But when you come to mass and it's quiet, you're really able to communicate more intimately with God. And I would say that's the key thing to realize that's going to open up a lot of graces. We shouldn't go to mass and sort of think, well, what did I learn or what did I get out of it? I think one of the most important things we have to go is I went to mass. Did I assist with faith? Did I exercise my faith to love God, to glorify God, to know that I was in his presence, that I was there at his sacrifice? You know, when you come out of mass, can you, can you answer those questions? Yes. Can you say, I exercised faith. I believed in God. I loved God. I adored God. I worshiped him. I communicated with him. I spent some time with him in this intimate union. That's really kind of what we're getting at with mass. And a lot of times for many people, I think in their local parishes, they they don't get that. And so then we sort of lose interest because it's not nourishing our soul and our spiritual life the way we need. Not to say it's always going to happen at every mass or even at every traditional mass, but that's the goal. And you have to, I think, strive for that recollectedness and that silence to help you develop your interior life, to connect you with everything else that Kevin's going to be talking to us about in, in this series. Yeah, totally. And just just recognizing that it is at the center of, of our whole life is, is really critical. Okay, so yeah, we've been talking about a lot of more you know high lofty ideals and a few practical things, but... Uh, there's something that I think is really key to not just hear it once, and, and that's to continually meditate on these truths, to have it presented before our intellect, and to nurture it with acts of the will, acts of faith, hope, and charity, um, to strengthen that that union with God through the liturgy. And there's a program I just want to introduce everyone to briefly, this Advent, uh, where you can do that. It's called Mass in My Life. It's a 30-day formation in the mass done by a religious order known as the fraternity of St. Vincent Ferrer. They are a religious order in France. Right. So I think that's the order not to be confused by some of our listeners that Father Rodriguez supports the St. Vincent Ferrer Foundation, which I also support, but rather it's a religious congregation, which Kevin, you had actually joined and were part of for a little while, right? They're out in France. Yeah, yeah. When I was 19 years old, I moved to France. I lived with a family out there so I could uh, learn French. And then I entered this order. I discerned with them for a year and a half and left uh, halfway through the novitiate, discerning I didn't have a call, but an amazing order. They're kind of like a Dominican version of the Fraternity of St. Peter. They're not technically Dominican, so please don't get offended. I'm not saying they have the OP technically at the end of their name, but they do the Dominican right. Okay. And they are sons of St. Dominic. They were called that. So I'm really excited to be able to bring them sort of in an English speaking world because they're running this whole program in partnership with Soka. But a lot of it's really the the fathers and the brothers doing daily videos, daily meditations and daily challenges all connected to the liturgy. Some of the things that they're covering in this. If I can just interject real quick, Kevin, because we'll put this underneath in the show notes. Sure. Maybe we'll put a picture of this up on the screen right now. I mean, if nothing else, just to sort of whet your appetite, go and watch this. It's about a minute and a half introductory clip because the priest speaking there and it's dubbed over, but the English is very interesting. You know, he's speaking French, but 
he raises, I think, very important points, which might be, you know, you might be thinking about. He says, so many times people tell me, well, I don't know why the mass is important, or I don't know how to tell my children that the mass is important, or I get so distracted in mass. Before I know it, I've gone up and received communion and like mass is over and I don't really know what happened. It just kind of like went over and I was in a haze. I think that might be a pretty universal experience for us Catholics, especially if you're, you know, cradle Catholic. So if you just get that one minute and a half and see it, so we'll link it down below, you'll also get a better sense of how this program, especially in Advent, might really help you develop a greater love and appreciation for the mass because you know, Kevin and I can't talk about it all right here, but yeah. here are some resources. And this is one that Soka is tying into. So if you tell us a little bit more about also how, what, what the plan or layout for it is. Yeah, and, and I would note that a lot of Soka's formation stems from my time with the Fraternity of St. Vincent Ferrer. They emphasize a lot the life of grace, God indwelling in our souls, the Trinity indwelling in our souls, based on Gergou Lagrange and the notion of the one thing necessary. So you're going to get that interior perspective with the liturgy from those who have a Dominican charism, uh, where you know the, the notion is to contemplate and to hand on the things that have been contemplated. Uh, it's a beautiful Latin phrase that, uh, you know, we, we have these brothers who are very well studied in St. Thomas, spend time contemplating these things, and they're, they're handing it on to us uh, from the silence, you know, we've been talking about the cloister. Um, so some of the things that they cover, uh, week one is on the Holy Eucharist. So I go over the figures of the Eucharist in the Old Testament, uh, transubstantiation, the real presence, and Eucharistic miracles. Uh, week two, they go over reception of Holy Communion the effects, preparation, thanksgiving, uh, the merits of communion on the tongue, and the history of communion in the hand. Uh, that's an interesting topic. Week three, holy sacrifice of the mass, sacrifice of the mass in the Old Testament, adoration, the cross, thanksgiving, supplication. And then fourth, uh, the sacred liturgy of the mass, the history of salvation, ad orientum, the sacred language of Latin, Gregorian chant, and silence. So a lot of things we've already covered. Um, but so, you know, the idea is, okay, maybe you're familiar with some of these topics, you know, not just from an educational standpoint, but from a meditative standpoint, you'll get meditations and things as well. It'll give you an opportunity to continually nourish that musing over these truths over the course of Advent leading up to Christmas. It's a great time to develop our devotion to the liturgy as well given you know, the notion of the God dwelling among us, that's the season, the preparation for his coming. We experience that. The liturgy is a living reality at Christmas. And so this is a good time to prepare. And Advent is a penitential season. So you know, we should see it as a time we should really be upping our effort, so to speak, to grow spiritually. Yeah. And I think we should just really remember, I mean, it's a pretty simple maxim and it's true for all things. Maybe we're more accustomed to it with regard to physical exercise, but it's that concept of you know, no pain, no gain, or you're only going to gain if you put something in, can you get something out? So if we want to get more out of the mass, we're certainly going to have to put more effort in. And part of that effort is intellectual. The more you understand the mass and some of the mysteries that are there, certainly the more you'll get out of it. But then there's also just, as we've been talking about, sort of that meditative or the contemplative, the prayerful aspect that you also have to put that effort in. You have to actually go to the mass and be there with God. No amount of talking or intellectual study will replace that. You, you have to do it. And it's one of my favorite phrases, uh, a priest I knew, some people might know him, his name was Father Peter Kuroda. He has passed away, God rest his soul. But he would always say, 
God cannot be outdone in generosity. And I yeah. just picked that up from him and loved it. And the idea here, I bring this up because again, if you are generous with your time and your effort, you sort of make some of these sacrifices during Advent to learn more about the mass, believe me, God will not be outdone in generosity. So you're a little generous with him. He's going to flood you back with more graces. And time and time again, I could talk forever about how I've seen that in my own life with God yeah. doing that. He is not outdone in generosity. So make the effort. And I guess that just ties us to conclude here, Kevin, with our spiritual resolutions. We've been talking about those. How can we tie in maybe a commitment to mass, maybe even with Advent, with that spiritual resolution? Anything we can recommend or that can keep us on track? Yeah, I think one thing that may be overlooked as a nice pious thing that actually makes a real difference is getting to mass 10, 15 minutes early and staying 10, 15 minutes after for preparation and Thanksgiving. I don't, I can't describe it all, but it makes such a difference uh, when I do versus when I don't just being there. God gives graces. Even if I am distracted during both the before and after he just gives graces for that commitment to set up my life in a way where I'm really valuing this activity of participating in the divine sacrifice. So I would say, you know, even if you can only go once a week, make a real effort, arrive at least 10, 15 minutes early, stay 10, 15 minutes after to give thanks in prayer. And, and I think that's doable for everyone. Great. So as you're developing your plan of life, put the mass as the cornerstone, get there. Uh, we've got a lot of spiritual homework, depending on where you're at. You know, as we said, Sunday, certainly. Um, if you can during the week, maybe you add one time, maybe you add two times, as Kevin said, go slow, arrive early and stay a little longer. And then, of course, as we've talked about also, if you're not considering the Latin Mass or having assisted at that, consider that as well. Take it to your prayerful discernment. I think that's about all we've got time for today. Kevin, any closing words? Viva Cristo Rey. Viva Cristo Rey. That's nice. Okay, uh, let's just close with the glory be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Santo. Sicut erat in principio, et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thank you all, and we'll see you for the next episode. God bless. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support our vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. May all we do be for the greater glory of God and the salvation of souls. St. Padre Pio, pray for us.